Welcome back, everyone. This is day two discussing Babylon with Pastor Matt First. And I hope you got a lot out of yesterday's discussion. A lot of really interesting points made about Jerusalem and uh, it being Mystery Babylon. And so today we're going to take some time to go through the main passage I think we should go to when studying Babylon, Revelation 17 and 18. Obviously, there was a a nation of Babylon that Jeremiah prophesied a lot about. I do think many of those things foreshadowed uh, events that are still to come. But at the same time, many of those things were fulfilled. And so Revelation, this is where we get, this is the main area we come for our eschatology. And so if we see it still to come in Revelation, then I think you've got a good argument uh, for it. And so we're going to just kind of start in Revelation chapter 17. I'll go ahead and read uh, this first part, and then we'll just kind of uh, both share some of our thoughts about this. But it says, And there came one of the seven angels which had seven vials and talked with me, saying, Come on, uh, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. The inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away into the spirit and into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And so obviously this is a mysterious passage that books have been written on, on just, I mean, really uh, the, these two chapters and a lot of speculation and things we wonder about. But uh, Pastor First, what are some of your thoughts? Obviously, you believe that great whore is a reference to uh, Judaism. Uh, and when it talks about sitting on many waters, kings of the earth committing fornication with her, um, how does that apply to Jerusalem? Well, in verse 15, it says, He saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And I do think that even now, um, Israel uh, plays a huge role in what goes on in the rest of the world. I think there's a great amount of manipulation um, uh, with the rest of the world when it comes to what Israel is doing. Um, the Israeli lobby in the United States is extremely powerful, APEC and, and such. And so, um, yeah, this, this woman this system uh, uh, sitteth upon many waters. The Bible, the Bible t clarifies that in verse 15 as, as the waters being peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Yeah. Well, and what you just said there too, while it's just reality, isn't it interesting the way you're not allowed to say what you just said? People will start putting anti-Semitic right. labels you on you. Yeah. You can't, you can't criticize you can't question anything about the Holocaust. And, and let me just stop and say, I don't deny uh, that some of what happened in 1940, you know, so with with Nazism and everything, I, I'm not denying all of that. However, I find it very interesting that you're not allowed to question any of that in the negative in most any part of the world. It's it, it's interesting to me. Um, it's also interesting that there there's Holocaust museums in every corner of the globe. Um, and it's just it's 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 interesting to see how um, Israel um, does have 
um, a sitting upon many waters. You know, they literally do sit everywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, so um, let me read this to you. I should have read it earlier, but in the previous um, discussion we had earlier, but let me just read this to you. Winston Churchill said this. He said, it may well be that this same astounding race may be at the present time in the actual process of producing another system of morals and philosophy as Melvin, as Christianity was benevolent. It would seem as if the gospel of Christ and the gospel of Antichrist were destined to originate from the same people. Now, I don't think Winston Churchill was a great guy, but he made that observation and he was living in the 1940s. He was part of that whole thing. Um, what I want to also point out in verse one of Revelation 17 is it says one of the angel, seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me saying, come hither and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore. Now in chapter 21 and verse number nine, the same angel, there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me saying, come hither and I will show thee the bride. So the same angel introduces John to the whore and to the bride. And I was saying at the previous program that I do believe when you get to the end of the Revelation, there's two women. There's the whore and the bride. And we're all either one or the other. Every, every human being will either be in one or the other, the bride or the whore. And uh, so anyway, that's, that's just a comment, commentary I have on the verses we've read so far. Yeah. Well, and then it's interesting, too, how she sits upon this beast— too, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And, you know, when I look at that beast, you know, it, it does appear to be more about uh, a kingdom, you could say, or a system rather than just an individual. And, and, I, and you tell me your thoughts on this, too. But when I see the names of blasphemy that are being written on that, I tend to associate that with Israel because one of the reasons people are so supportive of Israel today is they feel like, this, you know, we got to keep rooting for the same team we were rooting for throughout the Old Testament. You know, these are the people that God brought out of Egypt that wandered in the wilderness, that passed through the Red Sea and passed the Jordan River. You know, these are the people, these are the people of God. And, you know, they they've disconnected us from the people of God, which the reality is, you know, the Apostle Paul uh, you know, connected us to the church in the wilderness. Stephen did as well. But at the same time, the way they've been able to get away with this is not by calling themselves by a new name, but by stealing, you know, the names of God. And so to me, that would be the names of blasphemy. If they called themselves the synagogue of Satan or whatever, you know, that's not necessarily being blasphemous just because those names have nothing to do with God. It seems to me that they would be taking the names of God like the uh, man of sin. He is going to declare himself to be God, you know, um, you know, in what is supposed to be like the temple of God. They're not going to call it the temple of Dagon. They're going to call it the temple of God. So do you think that that right there maybe could uh, point to um, that the beast is a reference to the government of Israel? Yeah, um, um, because verse 8 says, The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on earth shall wonder. 
in whose names are not written in the, in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not, and yet is. And that's exactly what's happening right now. There are people that are infatuated and amazed that the nation of Israel died and was reborn, was and is not, and yet is. I mm -hmm. think that's exactly what 1948 is really all about. And I think that that's, that's what the woman is sitting on. She's sitting on the power of this reborn nation that even evangelicals are calling. I mean, David Cloud said that the rebirth of Israel was as great a miracle as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm. That's a, to me, that's blasphemy by itself. It is. It is. To me, calling them Israel, calling them God's chosen people, calling them all these things, I don't see how that's not blasphemous. And so to me, the names of blasphemy would be names like Israel, you know, yeah. to me, you know, so, uh, yeah, yeah you definitely Isaiah so, 49, Isaiah 49, Jesus is the original Israel, hmm. you know, uh, that's part of my book. Who is Israel? Who is the original Israel? Jesus Christ gave his name to Jacob, Israel. And, and these people are the true replacement theology. Uh, yeah. they're replacing, they're replacing the true Israel of God in Galatians. They're replacing the true Israel of God, those in Christ, uh, with this false pseudo-Israel. Um, and, uh, and, and they, they are infatuated at the fact, just as it says here, that was, is not, and yet is again. And that's exactly what happened in 1948. All of a sudden, she was reborn. Yeah, and I actually, I, I have a very interesting thought about another passage in the Bible I think is related, but I'm not a hundred percent. I don't want to talk about it publicly, <laughs> but maybe I'll share it one of these days with everyone, uh, assuming I'm right. But I, I've got a, I've got a verse I want to, I want to point out to you after. Don't let me forget. And, uh, those of you watching one of these days, maybe if, if Matt first, if he backs me up, maybe I'll do a video about it. Uh, but he might tell me I'm an idiot. And so then I'm going to act like it never happened. But uh, <laughs> yeah. so so the woman is the great city, verse 18, mm -hmm. last verse of the chapter. And the beast is the whole nation. I think that fits pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in, and, you know, the woman here is a city just as the bride is a city. Right. Right. You know, and a so you've Jerusalem. got old Jerusalem, you got Jerusalem. new Jerusalem, old Jerusalem and new Jerusalem. And, yeah. and Galatians chapter four talks about the allegory. Right. The old Jerusalem and the new Jerusalem. I mean, this all fits very well. Like I say, all you need is your Bible. You don't have to have all these commentaries. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And so uh, we'll just read a little bit more, too. If you, verse five and upon her forehead was a name written mystery, Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And we already talked about that in the previous program about how Jerusalem got credited for the death of the martyrs. So I don't think we really need to spend a whole lot of time on that. But right there is that connection that you can make with what Jesus said to the Jews as well. Yeah, yeah. And I want to point out something here. Um I think I think we've we've got covered it. So verse four, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. There's a missing color 
it's very interesting. I, I did not come up with this myself. My pastor Williams is the, is the person I got this from. <clears throat> I've only have, <clears throat> I've only found this um, connection in one other book or commentary in all my research. But um, pastor Williams, I give him credit for this. And so in, his, in Exodus 28, chapter 28 of Exodus, God's giving Moses all of the instructions concerning uh, the tabernacle system and the priest system. And there's a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, broidered coat, miter, girdle, holy garments. And chapter 28 of Exodus, it says, they shall take gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen, and they shall make the ephod of gold and purple and of blue and of scarlet and fine twine linen, cunning work, and even of gold and of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen. And it, and it keeps repeating this phrase over and over again, and gold and blue and purple and scarlet, and fine twine linen. And then it talks about an ephod with a lace of blue. And then it talks about the robe of the priest would be all of blue. It talks about the covering for the ark. It would be covered in blue. And yet the bells of gold, the blue, purple, scarlet, uh, all, all referring to the holiness of the Lord. Uh, and there'll be a blue lace upon the mitre. And so there's lots of blue. And blue was the dominant color in chapter 28 of Exodus. Uh, if you do any artwork correctly with what Exodus teaches, you'll, you'll see that blue is the most predominant color in the priest system and in the tabernacle system. But what's interesting is when you go to Numbers chapter 15, Numbers chapter 15, verse 37 to 41, this is what the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue, and it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to go a whoring, that you may remember and do all the commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So the blue was to be an indicator that they were no longer whoring. I find it interesting that the only color missing in Revelation 17 is blue. And she's called the whore, the mother of harlots. I don't think it's I don't think it's off. I think Pastor Williams was right on the money when he when he pointed that out. The purple, the scarlet, the gold is all there, but there is not one mention of blue in that in that entire passage. I don't even think blue is mentioned in the entire book of Revelation. And blue was the indicator that they weren't whoring. And if the blue is missing, that means they are whoring. And so spiritually speaking, I think there's a great connection there. Yeah, that's very, that's very interesting. It just kind of goes to show too, just, you know, nothing's in the Bible by accident. And that's right. As, as far out as these things were written from each other, man couldn't have planned that, you know, there, there's and, one author of the Bible. That's right. That's right. So, um, we'll keep on reading a little bit here. It says, and the angel said unto me, wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carried her which had, had the seven heads and the ten horns, the beast thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition, and they that dwell in the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, and behold, they and they behold the beast that was and is not, and yet is. Now, uh, 
boy, there's so much you could say about that. But th- let's think about this for a minute. Because most people associate that with the Antichrist. They talk like he's going to rise from the dead as a way to deceive people. But if this is talking about a system, if this is talking about a nation, you know, this is something that was a nation that was and is not. And this, and, but then this nation that's going to come back to the life ascends from the bottomless pit. It goes into perdition. And isn't it interesting too, in 2 Thessalonians 2, it talks about, you know, the son of perdition who opposed them and exalted himself above all that is called God so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's that's Antichrist. That's someone claiming to be the Messiah that's not. What other nation in the world is all about a coming Messiah? I mean, they're literally over there. There's no other nation on earth wait, awaiting a Messiah. The only one that is is a nation that popped up in 1948. And in my opinion, it came from the bottomless pit. And I think I have a biblical precedent for that. But yet, you know, we're being told that though this is finally the fulfillment of the regathering of Jerusalem from Jeremiah that apparently didn't happen after the 70-year captivity in Babylon. Right. Right. So, yep. I don't know. But am I off on that, that that's probably talking more about a nation and a system than it is a, a man? Uh, yeah, no, and, and we're not denying that there is an individual, but I think we we get off by what the pre-trib uh, theories have, have taught. Mm. But don't forget about the generation. You know, t- Jesus talked about all this will happen upon this generation, and people get messed up with that because they think of a 40-year span of people. But the word generation and the word genre, the idea of the same lineage, that's that's also generation. For instance, Matthew chapter one talks about the generation of Jesus Christ, and it lists several generations, but it's also all called the generation of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus was saying here uh, upon this generation. All these things will happen on this generation. And so what's interesting is, is that uh, you've got a group of people who who maintain that they are descendants of Abraham, and yet they're not born again. They're not children of God. And yet they they are going to be a fulfillment of these prophecies on this generation, this this same people who claim to be uh, descendants of Abraham and uh, you know children of God or whatever. Um, so, as Matthew twenty four says, so likewise ye when ye see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. He's not saying that that it would happen in that forty year time span that he was standing there but rather that this group of people, this genre, would still exist when these things get fulfilled. And so I think there's also connection with that um, as well. Anyway, so, but yeah, was and is not and yet is. That's a nation that was at the time that um, uh, Revelation was prophesying, is not and yet is. That's 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 where we're at now. Mm-hmm. Remember, Revelation was probably written after the destruction of the temple. Revelation I agree, and I think that verse right yeah, I think that verse right there is it, it helps date the book yeah. of Revelation, assuming that's was, talking about not. Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah, because John knew that Jerusalem was not at the right. time of his right. Right. Yeah, and so the the next passage I want to talk about here in a minute because people also use that to date Revelation before seventy A.D. and I think they're wrong. But 
I'm going to go ahead and throw this verse out at you, all right? And if, and if you can tell me in front of all my audience if I'm out to lunch on this. But in Romans 16, and there's a, there's a big setup to this that I won't even go into. I, I won't even go into the setup. I preached a message a while back, and I didn't even use this verse as evidence just because I wasn't sure if, if I was out to lunch on it. But Romans 16, 20, it says, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. So this is something that hasn't happened yet. And basically, I, I don't want to get sidetracked too much, but I won't even go into all the reasons why I think this way. I'll just, I'll just tell you what I think that could be a reference to. But could that be a reference to the fact that Israel was about to, and Jerusalem was about to be destroyed, that judgment was very closely coming for Jerusalem who he spent a lot of time talking about Israel and how they were enemies of the gospel. I mean, he they are the enemies that Paul referred to uh, in Romans. And then here he's kind of giving them assurance that the God of peace is going to bruise Satan under your feet. Yeah. Surely. I think that's a reference to, I think, I think it could be, I got a lot of reasons for it. I won't go into all of it, but is that even possible? Well, well certainly. I mean, in context, <clears throat> Read the book of Acts. Who was doing most of the persecuting of the church? Right, the, the Jews. Who, 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 was the, who was the enemy of the church? Um, who was stirring up trouble for Paul? Um, and, and, and then First John, um, when it says, uh, who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. So who is antichrist? Those who deny Christ. Well, who was the Antichrist? Who was the most Antichrist people in the first century during the time that Romans would have been written and Acts mm. would have been played out? It, it was uh, the Jewish people who had rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, we hear so much. We hear uh, verses uh, like like this one. Let me let me read it to you here. Um, For many deceivers, Second John 7, many deceivers are entered into the world who confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is, this is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that you lose not, not those things which ye have wrought, but that ye receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, Receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Now, you and I both know that the Jehovah's Witnesses didn't exist back then. Right. And yet that's the verse that is you, you know, well, you can't, you can't receive a Jehovah's Witness in your house because they don't, you know, they deny that Jesus is Christ and he is the son of God. Uh, well, well, who was the original? <laughs> in, mm. in the first century, when, when John was writing Second John, and also he wrote Revelation, who is he referring to? He's referring to the Christ deniers who were the Jews. And that's why his, he says, uh, they were not all of us. They came out from, you know, even though we came out from, they were not all of us. Because even though we were all born Jews, they were not born again. And they, were, they denied Jesus Christ. And that's why it says in Revelation, wherefore come out of her, my people. Wherefore, come out of them and be separate <clears throat> because uh, you can't have the son. Or excuse me. You can't have the father if you deny the son. If you deny the son, you don't have the father. And so it's wrong to even say that they're children of God. 
or that they're God's chosen people because if they deny Jesus Christ, they are not God's people, not at all. Uh, so I don't think you're wrong uh, when you say bruise his head shortly. I think that's very possible that that's what it was referring to. Regardless, we know back in the prophecy in Genesis chapter 3, he will, the seed of the woman would bruise his head. Uh, he, he would bruise the head of Satan. And uh, so that's the connection there as well. Well, yeah, and you have um, you have the story in um, Judges where Sisera persecuting the people of God, and you have a woman who smites him in the head and uh, kills him that you know kills him that way. And there's some prophetic things in there too that I think you can connect. But there is a theme in the Bible of a woman, you know, you know, bruising a head. You see that in the scriptures. And it's, and it's always someone who's persecuting God's people, but them prevailing, you know, God using a woman to prevail over them. And so, you know, God used that church, you know, the bride, a woman that's being persecuted by, uh, you know, these, you know, antichrist type people. So I don't, I think, I think that verse though, just shows that God was, you know, Paul understood God was about to judge Jerusalem. For their wickedness so you know it's not as clear as i would like it to be but i think it's you know there's pretty good reason to lean that way well and and, and the prophecy of jesus um mm -hmm. i wanted to gather you like a mother hen gathers her, her mm -hmm. chicks under wings and you would not your house is left in you desolate i think they had to know that was coming yeah yeah but then on uh, this next passage i want to talk about too because people use this passage to date revelation and they this is this is where they get the early date where it says and here is the mind which hath wisdom the seven heads are seven mountains and then well rome's the city of seven hills this is seven mountains doesn't say seven hills where'd you get that from uh and again that came from hundreds of years of people believing that it was rome you know and, and i i get that but it says there are seven kings five are fallen and one is and the other is not yet come and when he cometh he must continue a short space. And so what they'll do is they'll talk about the Roman emperors, how you had five that were fallen and one is. And that would have been Nero, I believe, is who they say it was. He was the emperor during that time. And then around this time, too, things started kind of going crazy in Rome. You actually had like four that were all emperor in one year, if you look at the history of it. But then the one where it kind of finally got reestablished under, they'll say he was of that seventh that went into perdition. It kind of fits. I mean, you can kind of make it fit, but it still doesn't completely fit. I think the five mountains or the the mountains are a reference to world kingdoms. Just like in Daniel, when that rock comes and smites the feet of the image, which is about world kingdoms, it grows into a mountain that fills the whole earth. And I think that the five previous mountains, you know, you had... I think it's a reference to world governments. You know, you had Egypt, you had the Assyrians, you had the Babylonians, you had the Medes and the Persians, you had the Greeks. That's five that were fallen. And then you had the one is the Roman Empire. Yep. And so I think the next world kingdom that comes, that's what that is a reference to. And I could see it being centered around, around Israel because that's where all the instability is too in the world. And so... If, you know, Israel could conquer everything out there and bring peace to the Middle East and with the whole world all feeling apologetic towards Israel, 
Uh, I could see him get behind it. And you, and you know America would support putting Israel in charge of anything. I mean, the Zionist Christian crowd, they would love it. They would submit all power and authority to, to Israel if they could. Yeah, can I, can I go ahead and give you... Uh, I agree. I think the mountains refer to kings or kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Daniel chapter 2 and other places kind of reveal that. Um, Daniel chapter 2 verse uh, 35 shows that uh, kings and crowns can mean kingdoms rather than just an individual king. Um, five of these kingdoms had fallen. One still is, now was, and one is, had yet to come, uh, according to verse 10. And it was wounded to death and fallen, are synonymous, chapter 13, verse 3, and chapter 17, 8 through 10. And God is the one who wounds these kings and kingdoms. Um, so who are these heads that have been or will be wounded? Who are they? And you mentioned it. <clears throat> I think Assyria was the first one. And uh, that's Nimrod, the Tower of Babel. Uh, you've got Egypt and the pharaohs. Then you've got Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, you've got the Medes and Persians, Cyrus and, and Darius. You've got Greece, Alexander the Great. And then you've got Rome and all the Caesars. Um, and, and those are the things, those Babylon, Medes, Persians, Greece, Rome, those are the four that you see in the image of Daniel. I think the seventh, Pastor McMurtry, and, and people can disagree, but I think the seventh, seventh has been an English dominion, uh, you know, starting with British Empire and the United States. Iron mixed with clay. That's what I think. Some would suggest the USA is the eighth head that comes out of the British Empire, but that would not explain the was and is not and yet is. So I think this English dominion that we've that we've been living in presently is the seventh. And from the seven, all the seven, it says here, um, the beast that was and is not even is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. She she has connections all the way back to Babel. Um, because of 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 her la- you know her her rejection of the Lamb of God, um, we call it the Babylonian Talmud because it came out of Babylonian the Babylonian days. Um, so I think there's connection there. Now, like you were just saying a minute ago, um, who 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 set up the 1948 miracle of Israel, the Balfour Dec- Declaration, and mm. Harry Truman, British and Israel, British and America, Britons. Yeah. So the English Dominion set up the eighth. That's how I see it. And that's when I get my book written, that's what it's going to have in there. And I got most of that from Pastor Williams. That's interesting because um, Britain was the one that was in that took control of Jerusalem after the uh, the fall of the Ottoman Empire. Right. And but it was, things it was Britain and U.S. together, you mm-hmm. know, the United States, the power of the United States and British and United States together, the English dominion that brought hmm. in what we have now, the eighth. That's interesting. And we're definitely the main supporters of yep. all that. And it is, and it just, it sickens me to just watch Christians support this and to be the, almost be the ones making it happen. And right. when you see Baptists participating in it, it, it just kind of makes you sometimes wonder as a Baptist, if you're on the wrong side, <laughs> you know, when, when, when so many Baptists are supporting something that's the all that in reality is going to be the ultimate evil that ever existed in the world. They have no biblical mandate to do what they're doing, but they think they do. Right. Jesus and the boy, and they'll, world. yeah, they think they do the the gospel. That's what he said. He yeah. said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, to every creature. And, and somehow we think a secondary blessing to obedience to God is going to be to somehow 
coddle and favor as the lucky rabbit's foot and the talisman, uh, these, these quote unquote people of God, which I've already read in first John cannot be the people of God. If they reject Jesus Christ, they're not, they don't have the father. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Uh, there are many evangelicals and, and many, even of our Baptist brethren who despise you and I, because we say something negative about Israel. Uh, and yet we're trying to uphold the true Israel of God, Christ, Jesus, and, and warn people that how can you support these people who are Christ rejectors? It doesn't mean that we're not trying to reach them. Our church supports a missionary in Israel. I hope he's preaching the gospel there. I, I know he's not going to be able to preach it as freely as I can here, but, but it's not like we hate them. Hmm. It's just that we don't put them on a pedestal the way that the Zionists have done. And it is not, you're right, they are bringing about, and, and it's Satan's laughing up his sleeve because they're bringing about this very prophecy. And, and, and the evangelicals in America, uh, you know, the John Haggies of the world, they're bringing about all this, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, let's touch on some of these things, and we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I do want to touch on some of the things in Chapter 18 because in the previous program, you know, you talked about how it was kind of an, an allegory. And I do think it's important that, that you read it that way. Some of these things, if you get too ultra literal, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but uh, it, it seems to me it would be your position. And I, I tend to agree with you that what we're seeing here is while it's speaking of it as a very, uh, in a very geographic way, ultimately was just trying to show how this system that has ruled over Kings and in, in the, uh, the last verse of chapter 17 says the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. So this this system, this harlot system has it's it's controlled th kingdoms, it's affected things all over the world and it's going to come to an end. It's going to be destroyed. Whatever this is has been around since the time of Abel because again, you know, they're guilty of the martyrs and so in chapter 18, it says, after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory, and cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And I think that's too, it's just showing just the kind of the desolation of this area. And, for, and it says, and the reason for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And so how do you think that, you know, when it comes to a lot of these things too, people will bring up people becoming rich through her delicacies. Uh, it talks about the, uh, you know, people bewailing her when she's burning because uh, you know, the merchants of the earth, they're going to weep because they, you can't buy their merchandise. And when you look at that, it makes it a little difficult to think of it as Jerusalem because you don't really have merchants going there and we don't really buy stuff from there. So, you know, they do seem to get get all our money. But what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think Tel Aviv is probably one of the epicenters of, of the computer world, um, you know, you could you hear Silicon Valley, but I think Tel Aviv probably is in competition with that. And I, and so I think, you know, the, the, the buying and selling and the trading is more cyber than it than it, you know, than it ever was. And and so the merchants 
you know, you, you can have the cyber. And, and of course, there will be ships out in the Mediterranean. I'm not denying that. Uh, but I do think that it's very possible, especially with um, the way things are, are um, bought and sold over the Internet now. Um, and Tel Aviv is, prides themselves in being, you know, at the, at the forefront of the economic, you know, and all that. And so um, I, I do think the kings and merchants who are in love with her uh, are going to turn on her. Uh, because it's the closest thing to a successful world government that will ever have been, and yet it, it will fail, and the and they'll become dissatisfied with her, and so then they'll turn on her and destroy her. And it's interesting that God, God Himself doesn't actually destroy her; He allows her lovers to destroy her. Hmm. Um, and uh, because because you know He wept over her, you know He wanted her to turn to Him, <clears throat> but in the end she will be destroyed in one hour. So, so do you think it's possible too that uh, what this is talking about, and it's talking about in a way, in a, it in a way they would have understood it in the first century? But do you think maybe the way that this could play out is this is showing um, a collapse of a financial system? You know, because again, we know we're going to digital currency and all that. We know who's probably going, what kind of people are going to be behind all that stuff. So if the yeah. world all joins this you know, new type of currency, and then it just all is destroyed. Right. You know, the right. collapse that comes from it, right. you know, is right. what. So you talk about, yeah, the, the, the cyber and the, and the, the currency and, and, and all that. Um, it reminds me of 666. You know, we know from Revelation chapter 13, the mark of the beast, 666. And you said earlier in this discussion that there's nothing in the Bible by accident. Everything's got a purpose. Absolutely. We have one author that, that authored the entire Bible. <clears throat> and is it just a coincidence then that the only other reference to 666 in the Bible is King Solomon's gold hmm. and the, the numbering of the people who came out of Babylon? The Jews who returned from Babylon back to Jerusalem. There was one particular family or tribe that numbered 666, they were coming from Babylon and then King Solomon's gold. So his gold, his, his power, his, his wealth, and, and the people, the Jewish people from Babylon coming back to Jerusalem. Those are the only two references in the Old Testament to a 666. And yet they're not, they're not, they don't connect to Assyria or Egypt. They don't connect to the Hittites. They don't connect to any other group of people, but to the Jews. So is that a, a coincidence? Is it just an accident? Did, did God, you know, did God just accidentally attribute 666 to the Old Testament Jews? Or did he know he was going to write Revelation someday? I, I contend that God knew exactly what he was doing and, and that 666 connects to only one group of people. And so I think that the whole system, the world system in 666 will, will, will be how they control everything, all the banking, everything will be controlled uh, in this epicenter. And I think probably Tel Aviv or Jerusalem will be that place. And and from there, all the system, the banking and everything will be under control. But eventually, as we know, communism always does, it, it, it steals from each other and nobody really is happy in the end uh, and they all kill each other. And that's what's going to happen here is that the kings of the earth are going to find out that they're getting ripped off too. And so they're going to destroy her. That's that's my prediction of it. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's a very interesting thought. And so, um, I guess this is kind of the final thing we'll touch on, 
So in verse 17, for it says, For in one hour so great riches is come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like in this great city? So, uh, you know, people often refer to that one hour like it's geographically going to get destroyed in one hour, so it's probably nukes or something like that. But again, you know, could it be just that collapse of the system, you or know, both. that just destroy? Because, I mean, what it's probably hard for us to imagine what would happen if, you know, most of us, we've never lived through some kind of financial collapse. Um, you know, it's all it's big news when just a bank fails out in Silicon Valley somewhere. But, you know, if that were to happen, just to have a total global financial collapse, I mean, that would get the world's attention and it would get the it would get the world crying. I can't think of any place in the world that if it got just destroyed completely, it's going to make the whole world cry that much. But if the financial system got destroyed and it was referring to the riches and it, that affected everybody, that would get the world upset. Yeah. If everybody's stock collapses at the same time, yeah, and 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 then you know, definitely there's still going to be ships and shipping and merchandise. You know, we don't just trade and we don't just enjoy, you know, cyber materialism. We we have real materialism still. So there's there's still going to be ships in the sea, uh, but the Mediterranean, you can sit out there in the in the ocean of the Mediterranean and observe um, that great city. And, and Tel Aviv's right on the the shore. Jerusalem's not far away. Uh, but yeah, I think in one hour, it's very like, oh, we know that cities can be destroyed in an hour. That's not hard for us to understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, all right. Well, do you have any, uh, I guess, bonus points when it comes to um, this subject? I, I did want to touch on this too. You know, again, if, if we're right, it's Jerusalem too. Um, you know, we see everyone rejoicing over it being destroyed. Uh, that'll offend some people right there, but this is a wicked city, a wicked system uh, that's guilty. It ends, in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. And so that right there is one of the toughest things that, for, that makes it very difficult for me to get away from Jerusalem because that is exactly what Jesus said about Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 the, the chapter ends with that very thing and it connects to matthew 23 35 it just connects so so obviously i don't know how they get around it no other no other entity no other nation no other people is guilty of prophets and saints and apostles blood uh but but jerusalem but but the, the christ rejecting jews that that's just that's just a fact and as far as rejoicing over that city being destroyed don't forget there's a new jerusalem in chapter 21, a new heaven, new earth. There's a new Jerusalem in chapter 21, a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven uh, as a bride adoring for her husband. And so I, I think we have to recognize as the allegory in uh, Galatians chapter 4 that we are the mother, our mother is the Jerusalem from above. And uh, that's, the, that's the real Jerusalem that we should be focusing on. Um, everyone's fighting over the real estate of old Jerusalem. It's the new Jerusalem that I'm, excited about not this old one i agree yeah no good stuff and you know what people just need to remember is when it comes to that system you know it is it's an evil antichrist system but anyone that's in it can put their faith and trust in christ and they can become a part of the new jerusalem and be spared that destruction and so 
Uh, again, at the end of the day, it all comes back to Jesus Christ. We've got to make everything about Christ when it comes, you know, he, he should be the focal point. He is what the gospel is all about. He is the, he is where the works of our salvation are in him, not in ourself. And when it comes to prophecy, it's, it's all about Jesus Christ. And it's just sad how people have taken things that are about Christ and they've made it about Israel and they've taken things about Israel and they've made that about, you know, the, you know, the Antichrist or something like that. And it's, uh, it's a mess. It really is a mess. And you know what? We wonder why our politics are such a mess. You know, maybe, maybe the Republican party is the mess that it's in because, you know, Christians who are also big supporters of the Republican party, you know, are supporting a system too, that is very pro Babylon, pro Israel, whatever. And I don't think we deserve to get blessed for that. Right. Well, well, obviously the blessings of Abraham haven't been working out very well. No. You know, I mean, I mean, America has has blessed the current nation of Israel millions of dollars every day, eleven million a day, I think, and uh, it's not working out very well. Um, you know, where's where's all the Trump supporters who were excited when Trump was in Jerusalem, you know, doing his thing over there and promising stuff and starting an embassy in Jerusalem? I mean, how did that work out for us? It, it, it's it's such a baloney. Uh, doctrine it's such a doctrine of 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 falsehood um and and yet if you'll if you'll turn your eyes on the true bride of christ uh the church and you'll turn your eyes on the lord jesus christ uh the true israel and you bless him and you focus on him instead you will be blessed and uh, you will honor him as he as he would intend and have us to do rather than this idol that people have set up called called israel amen well, all right. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on the program again. And those of you watching, check the links in the descriptions. Go buy these books. You you need to do more reading. And there's some good stuff in here. Uh, you will learn a lot. Uh, go listen to the sermon from Monday on God's Vine and God's Vineyard. Uh, a great sermon. Uh, a lot more Bible than you're going to get in most churches, especially when talking about Israel. And I appreciate Pastor First being able to come on here. So thank you all for watching. Like and share this. Get, get the word out. And we will see you all next time. God bless.